Welcome to The Green Room, your backstage pass to theater and film around the bluegrass. My name is Miles Meehan. And I'm Trent Stevens. And we are coming to you from the Stage Right Acting Studio. That's rule number one. You have to sing in tune if it's, if it's a musical. Otherwise, it's just ugly. It's like missing free throws. It's the basic thing. And if you don't do it, I scorn you. <laughs> Today's episode will feature Tedrin Blair Lindsay, a local musician, performer, teacher, and notorious theater critic who has massive experience on stages worldwide. But in our community, Tedrin is a polarizing figure, one who sells out performances and at the same time is accused of writing theater reviews fit for tabloids next on the green room we would like to take a moment to thank our first sponsor stage right acting stage right acting is a performing arts training studio for all ages right here in lexington dedicated to developing quality performers and quality people the studio will be having a couple of workshops coming up over fall break october 1st and 2nd so to find out more about those workshops and other classes you can check out stagerightacting.com if you or your business would like information on how to sponsor The Green Room, you can contact us by emailing miles at stagerightacting.com. So welcome back to The Green Room, um, your backstage pass to film and theater around the bluegrass. Sitting here in front of me is Tedron Lindsay. Do you prefer to go Tedron Blair Lindsay or Tedron Lindsay? Professionally, I go by Tedron Blair Lindsay, but people can call me Tedron, or lots of people actually call me Teddy or Tedrino. Well, no Italian way. Name, well, so uh, well, Tedron. Whatever. I'll go with Tedron. Tedron is because fine. we're not. Gonna, it's not going to be super professional right now. So, Tedron, uh, first of all, which is the uh, most important question, I think, who or what are you wearing today? Because I know you love to talk about what you're wearing. <laughs> oh gosh! At least it's not cold. And you don't have your coat on that you always. That reminds me of the uh, of the uh, end of um, Coven, American Horror Story, where Frances Conroy's final uh, word as she's being burned at the stake for the second time is Balenciaga. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I, got, I bought this shirt in Spain many, many years ago, and I like it because it's sort of a cross between uh, a Rorschach uh, test and an uh, Essenbach drawing. And so that's Wait, Christopher, whatever. That's for another episode when we can come yeah. on and, you know, and your shirt will be there and we have to... It's not visual at this point. That's anyway. Right. Well, great. Well, Tedrin, again, thanks for uh, for coming on. My and pleasure. We're, we're glad to have you on to our first uh, episode here of The Green Room. So just uh, for those who may not know you or may not know much about you beyond uh, reviewing or just seeing you play, uh, tell us a, just a little bit of your background. I, I know it's very interesting and, and very different than a lot of people know. Uh, so go ahead and tell us a little bit about that. Well, okay, I'll try not take too much time up with this, but um, I uh, had a childhood career as a pianist. Um, I was raised in Rome, Italy, where uh, my parents, who are uh, evangelists, had a Protestant church in the shadow of the Vatican. That really is a story for another time. But I always grew up uh, performing uh, piano, singing, and uh, acting as well. Uh, I was in a Bertolucci film uh, in the mm -hmm. 70s with Joel Clay. La Luna. Most of my scenes ended up on a cutting room floor, but I'm in it. Anyway, <laughs> nevertheless, um, uh, now, uh, all these years later, I have a doctorate in musicology, which I got from UK. Uh, I work very closely with Everett McCorvey in the UK Opera um, uh, Theater, where I am a music director, vocal coach uh, on the faculty at UK. 
Uh, I also uh, write criticism, arts reviews for the Lexington Herald Leader, which I believe is the substance of what you want to talk about today. Uh, but I also do a lot of uh, performing um, uh, professionally outside of UK as well as there. Um, I do my own solo uh, work and composing. In fact, I've got a recording in post-production, which should be out by Christmas. And uh, I'm the pianist for the American Spiritual Ensemble. And I'm also, this is kind of bizarre, but I'm the go-to pianist for Alltech, which hmm. is the global corporation out of Nicholasville. Uh, Everett and I are close friends and deeply involved with uh, Pierce and Deirdre Lyons. So between uh, the American Spiritual Ensemble and Alltech, I end up performing literally all over the globe. Uh, and uh, it's amazing that the world can be open to... Uh, uh, a, to an artist from uh, Lexington, Kentucky. People think they have to go to New York or Chicago or whatever, but uh, people need to actually bloom sort of where they're planted and just take the opportunities that present themselves in life as they come and they will find their niche. Well, and that was my next question was, you know, because you've been so global and, and you're a performer uh, that is marketable anywhere across the globe. Why have you chosen to stay here? Why Lexington? Well, uh, like I say, I was doing my doctorate here and uh, Everett McCorvey got his clutches in me. That's why it <laughs> took me 10 years to write my dissertation uh, because I was so busy uh, uh, working uh, with things at UK in the community and abroad. Uh, he's a uh, wonderful boss who really just sort of, uh, as long as I do the things that he needs and requires of me, I have free reign to sort of make my own professional way and uh he does that for many different people i'm far from alone in that but you probably keep him uh, on his toes I, I, don't I, you I, oh i do <laughs> if he's <laughs> listening to this he's probably going oh you don't even know <laughs> it's so true but uh no he uh we we make a great team and uh, i really love working with him and uh with the arts community here in lexington it's uh sort of a theater town but it's really a music town and uh, I enjoy seeing uh, the theater community here, especially in the last few years, uh, sort of grow and uh, aspire to the place that music has uh, in the town. And I think that um, to a large degree, lots of people are starting to do that. Yeah, and we're going to definitely get to that here in just a second. I want to get a, your opinion on a, a few of those things. Uh, but before we kind of jump in uh, to, to some of the deeper stuff... Um, what are some things, just quickly, you're working on right now? I know you have some stuff in UK going on. Oh, yeah. Um, there are always a million irons in the fire. Uh, we're doing Rogers and Hammerstein South Pacific. Uh, it will be at the uh, Lexington Opera House, but it's a UK opera theater production. Uh, we have a beautiful cast. People will be deeply moved by this production. It is really beautiful. Uh, it stars um, a former Miss Kentucky 2013, Jenna Day, as Nellie Forbush, and she Great. is just beautiful in the part, uh, as are all of our leads, Andre Campello as uh, Emile Debeck and uh, so on. Um, it's accompanied by the uh, UK Symphony Orchestra, which is um, uh, really just an excellent band also, uh, conducted by John Nardellillo. I am actually performing with the UK Symphony tomorrow night. We're doing uh, The Pines of Rome in 
the season opening concert. So I'm playing the piano solos in that. Wonderful. And they're also doing uh, the Tchaikovsky Fourth Symphony. Um, that, yeah, there are always lots of uh, things coming up. But I'd really like to put in a plug for my opera class. People don't really know that I teach a uh, an opera lecture series uh, for the community. It's through UK uh, Opera Theatre's uh, support arm, Opera Lex. And uh, for years now, on Saturday mornings uh, in the fall and in the spring, I give lectures on various opera topics uh, from 10 to noon at the Schmidt Vocal Arts Center uh, on the campus at UK. And uh, the cost is $20. The uh, money goes directly to uh, Opera Lex. And students can come for $5. Hmm. Uh, but this week I'm giving a talk um, on the legacy of Rodgers and Hammerstein. The next week, uh, a talk on going in-depth with South Pacific. And then later in the semester, uh, I'm giving talks on uh, big bombastic opera finales, soft elegiac opera finales, and great musical theater finales. Great. So uh, it's sort of topical and uh, really fun. I try to make it... Um, uh, humorous, anecdotal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the class has come to enjoy my sort of uh, leftist political perspective that I put into everything that I talk about in the class. I'm and, sure it's extra uh, spicy in there. Oh, <laughs> extra spicy indeed. There's nothing so interesting as the sex lives of the great composers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chadron, um great. And we'll have information up about that. Great. Uh, we'll make Thank sure you. to put yeah, that up a, in anything really else we cool talk event. about. Great. Um, so you also said, and quickly, you have something else coming out by Christmas time. Is that right? And oh, you- uh, yes. People for years have uh, asked me to please put out a recording of my uh, uh, piano solos that I've uh, concocted over all these years. And I've actually uh, started and aborted a few recording projects uh, for various reasons. Uh, but uh, really, I felt the time was now. I've got uh, a lot of uh, great numbers worked up. And uh, a beautiful sound technician in Cincinnati, uh, Alex, Alex Lushed. And uh, we uh, spent several nights in a row um, putting some of my arrangements down. And uh, really, it's about time. But uh, finally, uh, this recording will be out. And I'm very excited to, uh, to see how it turns out. The, uh, the, the takes themselves were everything I could have hoped for. Wonderful. And so now we're in post-production. Well, great. And, Congratulations uh, on that. I and, uh... broke probably quite a few strings <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you i'm sure you did you know if, if if i can pull your arm your arm hard enough maybe we can get a recording of that on here or a section of it and we'll see yeah um, at, at some point at some sure. point maybe uh, again congratulations on that uh, let's move on to so you're also a vocal coach yes right? and uh, you know part of this podcast is uh we want our students that we teach and other students around uh, the bluegrass to be able to uh, get tips and get good advice from people we have coming in here. Um, so as a vocal coach, you know, what is one of the things that you see? What's one of the most common things that you see being a hindrance to students wanting to develop um, their uh, vocally? Well, um, let, let me reframe the question a little bit because okay. – uh, 
really only laziness is a hindrance. Uh, people who have no clue about singing have made great careers for themselves. So in a sense, who am I to say that, you know, Bernadette Peters' weird voice is not well uh, produced? She's mm-hmm. a Tony winner, for goodness sake. So, mm-hmm. And I actually love her singing. But uh, I, I observe in her that over the years, uh, she has gotten better and better Vocal coaching sort of as as her career progressed, she herself felt the need for uh, more understanding of what she did. And especially after her voice fell apart uh, after song and dance, she came back stronger and more beautiful than ever and has uh, gone on to have the best part of her career really since then. I use her as an example that um, people really need training. Um, if you are classically trained, it doesn't mean that you're going to end up sounding like an opera singer. It means that you know the time-received and honored traditions of how to use your breath, how to uh, articulate uh, the sounds of words correctly, good elocution so that your diction is understood, uh, knowing enough about musicianship that you can actually do something with the song if you're so lucky as to be cast in a musical uh, to know uh, whether you're singing in tune or not and if you're not how to fix it because for me that's rule number one <laughs> you have to sing in tune right. if it's if it's a musical otherwise it's just ugly it's like missing free throws it's the basic thing and if you don't do mm-hmm. it I scorn you mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you uh, people who want to be in musicals Um, should understand that they have to know how to sing. And then they can use their voice and their voice training in the service of whatever style of music comes along. Uh, At UK uh, Opera Theatre, for example, uh, one of the things that makes us a top 20 uh, recognized uh, vocal training program in the nation is the fact that we, unlike most of the other places, uh, concentrate on making sure that singers have equal opportunity to know how to sing standards and Broadway and even pop and rock in a way that is going to give them still vocal longevity in their career and sound good, but be marketable and hireable with their voice. You know, just because we're an opera theater uh, program does not mean that everyone ends up sounding like an opera singer. Jenna Day certainly doesn't, but she's a beautiful singer. And you don't want an opera singer singing Nellie Forbush. Right, of course. Of course. Um, That's great. You know, I know a lot of students, and you mentioned not being lazy, you know, and Uh. and being about you. And I I read a post recently you put, you know, and it's, you know, it's what you put into it is what you get out of it. Well, that's true. And that's true of everything in life. But people, people need to understand that in a career where so many people want so few positions, you shouldn't leave anything to chance just because you can carry a tune. That's the start of being a a viable musical theater performer, uh, in my opinion. Uh, Not only that, you need serious acting training and you need serious dance training. Uh, You have to be a triple threat threat in this day and age. Otherwise, uh, your role is going to go to Hugh Jackman. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great point. Now, speaking of roles and... So we have the process of getting there. But once we've gotten there, then there are these people, and I've experienced them, and Trent's experienced them, and anybody else who's performed probably has experienced them. There's these little people that come in with their little notebooks mm. in the audience, <laughs> and they write things about you that come out in the newspaper, online. 
you happen to be one of those people who I personally have sat in front of before. And, uh, and so you are a, a theater critic, a reviewer uh, for Lexington Herald Leader. I, I don't know. Is that the right term to call um, it? What do you prefer? Yeah, sort of. I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. I had written a few uh, arts features uh, at the request of my good friend Rich Copley before. Mm-hmm. And uh, they apparently were feeling the need for someone to do... Uh, sort of legit music and musical theater uh, criticism for the paper. And so Rich asked me if uh, I would do that and would it be weird uh, considering that I myself am an active performer and know basically everyone personally right. in the arts community uh, in uh, throughout the region. And uh, I said to him, you know, actually... Anyone else might have a hard time with that, but I'm already the guy with the reputation who will tell you exactly what he really thinks of what (laughs) you did. Uh, Sometimes, maybe not even nicely, although my intention is always to sort of educate and help. And I'll also uh, praise freely if I if I feel that that's deserved. So uh, anyway, I think the proper term is uh, arts critic or. Uh, theater or music reviewer it doesn't matter a, a review is the actual substance of the uh, of the article and uh, criticism is sort of the activity although it sounds sort of hoity-toity doesn't it to say I'm an arts critic I think it fits uh, perfectly though <laughs> I think it fits <laughs> for me maybe. <laughs> I think it fits well but it's no really funny. you know it's no secret <laughs> that you know your reviews have been polarizing to Lexington community over the past few years and um you know, and and some would say, you know, your reviews will split people into two different camps. Some people say that's exactly what the Lexington community needs to uh, take it up to the next level. However, others would say that the reviews border on being like gossip columns. And so what would you um, – And I guess the first question is what do you think the role of a review is in for a community like this versus, a you know, a community like New York City? That's a whole other story. But for – um, for Lexington, what's the re- what's the role of a reviewer and a reviewer, an arts critic? Well, um, some people think that it's to be a cheerleader for the arts community, but uh, all that does is serve to entrench the arts community in sheer amateurism, uh, because people are paying money to see. Uh, um, any of these arts events, music or theater, and uh, especially in the theater community, most of it is done on a semi-professional or amateur basis. And so I feel that my job is, one, to let people know what they're going to be getting for their money. But because I'm also an active performer and educator in, in the community, I feel that my main job as a reviewer or critic is to educate through my column. Um, I feel like I'm educating the, um, the performers and the production staffs in how their work is coming across. And when I'm doing it, I try to keep in mind the audience for whom they are trying to put on a show. Uh, for example, uh, when I review something for studio players or for Woodford Theater, both uh, long-term excellent community theaters in the region, they have built-in audiences who are already going to come to their shows no matter what. They're playing to a specific audience, and that informs their choice of uh, 
plays. It informs their choice of directors and casting and marketing and everything. And they are not holding themselves to a professional level the way um, one of the Broadway live shows coming through town should be held to that kind of a level. And then there are the middle range groups in the town that are paying their actors something and are... um, aspiring to a higher quality than community theater. Although, again, that's not to denigrate what Woodford or Studio do because uh, some of the best theater I've seen in the region sometimes comes from them. But I try to keep in mind the audience that they're playing to and what the audience's expectations are um, so that then I can also, in the column, educate the audience as to what they ought to expect and be looking for uh, from these people who are the practitioners of performing arts for our community, for better or worse. And uh, so I feel like I'm sort of trying to toe a middle line between holding high professional standards and expectations, but also... Um, having a lot of grace within that high standard for what people are actually trying to do. Um, so how would you respond to the people that would say, you know, the view, uh, the reviewer responds? Now. What would you say to the people that maybe feel hurt by a review or feel like it wasn't fair? You know, this is kind of your chance to go, hey, this is... <laughs> well, okay. Well, first of all... Um, Just because I sort of relish the role of going ahead and saying um, what what I think, because after all, that's what I'm paid to do. It's one person's opinion, but uh, I feel a pretty educated and cultured opinion. Um, But I actually do try to put blame where blame is due. And so directors often get the brunt of, uh, of my criticism. Uh, there are certain directors in town that I've never given a good review to. Lots of people uh, I always give a good review to. And others that have had a mixed experience with that. And it's not because I dislike certain people or really like certain people. But it's because of the uh, consistent quality or not of uh, what they bring to things like casting and blocking and uh, having a unified interpretive vision of the show that they're able to communicate to all of the design team and all of the actors as well. Um, but where where actors are concerned, uh, especially, um, a bad review, again, it's just one person's opinion. But for me, I always mean it as, um, as educative And sometimes if I'm having to say something that is not flattering about a performer, the performer needs to be careful to see whether I'm actually criticizing them or using using them as an example of something else in the production I found fault with. For example, I think probably the most polarizing review I ever wrote in this town (laughs) was for Summerfest's ambitious uh, and deeply flawed production of Cabaret uh, a few years ago. 
and uh, people wrote uh, such vitriolic uh, mail to me about how I was so demeaning to the actors in in my review. But I wasn't. I was actually demeaning to the directors. Sorry, guys. I know and love you, but, well, you know. Um, For example, uh, one of the actors uh, who is a dear friend of mine who's now been studying with me for a couple of years at UK, uh, I'll go ahead and name Patrick Garr, was uh, by far the best of the male dancers in that show. And therefore, of course, of the people who auditioned, he was cast as Mike, the Italian stallion, uh, sort of uh, sex god who um, sings and dances the song, I Can Do That. Well, Patrick did a great job of singing and dancing the song, but he he's a um, slight, uh, sort of wiry, little blonde guy who at the... Even now, he still looks 16 years old, and he was completely miscast. It wasn't his fault. He did the best job he could with the role. And I, I think I tried to say that in the review while pointing out that he's he's no Mike. Even worse was, I can't remember the name of the really talented young lady who played, um, I think the character's name is BB, who sings the famous Tits and Ass song, uh, Dance 10 Looks 3. And um, she, she has a, a really beautiful sort of skinny model figure. But um, the character is supposed to have had extensive plastic surgery done to enhance her um, sexy anatomy. And the whole song is about how that has gotten her roles and a good sex life. And so instead of... I don't know, patting the girl's leotard or or something to be because she performed the song and the role great, but she didn't look the part. And so instead of giving her a costume that that made her look more uh, appropriate to what the song was about, they cartoonishly drew on like fake cleavage. It was like third grade show suddenly. And it, it's stuff like that. That is not her fault. I was pointing out that the directors and the costumers, you know, had sort of just jumped in over their heads on this. And so it sounds like I'm calling out the actors, but I took great pains actually to say how good they were considering. And so, um, yeah, I, I would say that like two thirds of the time, I don't think it's the actor's fault necessarily. Now, if people just plain can't sing, I'll say, look, folks, if you want to be in musical theater, you've got to do that. If I can't understand the words, I'm going to have to call you out on that. And the audiences are not dumb. You wouldn't believe how many people have come up to me. The people who have negative opinions about what I've written, they're the ones who shriek it out in print or online. And that's fine. I'm glad that they feel that they have the recourse to do that. Mm -hmm. I have a tough skin. And believe me, I've received so many excoriating reviews about my work in the past that I thought were completely unjustified, of course. <laughs> right, of course. So, so you know, again, <laughs> it's one person's uh, opinion. But I've had lots of people, uh, I guess, who didn't feel that it was important enough to actually have my back in print, but they'll come mm-hmm. up to me on the street or uh, places and say, you know, I thought it was just me, but... Yeah, I thought that person was terrible also, but I didn't feel like I was smart enough to actually say that opinion. 
um, there are a couple of members of the Lexington Philharmonic who uh, make a point of telling me every so often, thank you for what you say about our orchestra, because um, I I give mixed reviews to the Philharmonic a lot. I give a lot of praise when it's due, and uh, I've given a couple of really bad reviews as well. But again, I feel like the orchestra uh, themselves, the players, feel like I'm really just saying what I heard, and everyone on the stage knows it, and lots of people in the audience know it too. And so using their example, you would say that you know, reviewing there's a chance for reviewing to raise, I hate this terminology, but raise the bar or encourage people to work towards a higher level. Well, I think raising the bar is not a a bad um, term to use for it. I mean, we're always striving to be better. I am. Listen, one of the best things about being a critic is the fact that it has made me um, sort of undertake to make sure that my game is always the A game. Right, also. you don't want to be reviewing and then, well, then come to well, your show. Well, I, I definitely want to be seen as practicing what I preach. And it's right. not that I ever phoned in a performance mm-hmm. or a rehearsal before, um, but now I'm, I'm conscious of the fact that uh, all of these things really are important. Right. And um, if, if I'm saying folks this is how it should be done then anyone who's observing me should should have sort of an object lesson of that and i'm not saying that i'm the best artist in the world or the most perfect professional or anything like that but um definitely i hold myself to the same standard that i'm holding other people to as well um as as much as i uh can but uh, again let me say to all those out there whose feelings i've ever hurt um I'm not sorry for having said what I said. I'm sorry if it came across as uh, embarrassing to to you and your skills. Because, listen, I know, as well as anyone, that it is hard to get up on the stage and just be naked there for people with, with what you're doing. But everyone, listen, it takes such energy and commitment. And just remember, it's not about you. It's about the audience. It's about the communal experience of creating something that wasn't there before. It's what separates human beings from the animals that we can actually uh, cognitively think of ways of making something beautiful or expressive and showing the human condition. And no artwork is ever going to be perfect. What it has right. to be is sincere. And honest. And it has and to be human. as good as you can make it and sincere. I think that's the most beautiful thing is to be able to go up there and, and play somebody different but tell a story, tell a beautiful story, and have people on the, the car ride home, as we talked about with Athens West, you know, and their lives be changed or they think about something differently. And, yeah, uh, and, and then you as a performer, you're saying, well, I got to be a part of that. I think that's beautiful. And I... Um, so what's the next step for Lexington? You know, for, so for Lexington Theater mm-hmm. um, to grow, so briefly, um, how, do we, how do we get to that next level, Tedron? Well, I think that um, Athens West and um, what is the name of Jeremy and Lindy's? The Lex, I believe, Lexington Theater. Uh, Lexington Theater. The Lex, I think, is what they're calling it. Sorry, Jeremy and Lindy. I'm sorry. I want to have you guys on, too. It's sort of a generic name. (laughs) Sorry. But But, um, the the idea of having... um, uh, Two theater companies suddenly in this town that 
are actually viably doing a uh, mix of uh, equity contracts and uh, sort of the best that the local talent has to offer. And I mean local talent in totally the best sense because there are talented people here just like everywhere. But I think that this is a great next step uh, of having groups that see the need to raise the uh, professional level mm -hmm. of um, opportunity, not quality, but opportunity in Lexington and the region, uh, the same way that music is uh, several notches above that already uh, in terms of people being able to make a good living as musicians here. Right. Well, we would love to see that for more practitioners of uh, theater as well. Absolutely. So I think that uh, these these folks are on the right track of doing that. Um I think it's a shame about groups like uh, Actors Guild, which for mm -hmm. so many years was the cutting edge of um, theater in Lexington. Um, but, you know, theater groups are sort of like friendships. Some of them are meant to last for eons and eons, and others of them just last a season, and they're great while they do, and right. then everybody moves on and, and whatever. But... Um, Actors Guild certainly raised the bar for uh, what audiences and actors uh, should expect from theater in Lexington. And I think that it's continued to grow in that regard. It's sort of interesting that um, for several years, theater in Lexington has been a little bit like the Republican presidential primary and that there are <laughs> all of these groups who feel like they have something just amazing to offer. And uh, it, 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 it can be argued that it drains focus away or it, it also could be seen as people trying to do their own thing and see where they land. Right. It's all good. But um, <laughs> but I, I think that trying to make um, a more professional opportunity for uh, theater artists is a really worthy um, first step to aim for. Um, by the same token, I think that uh, UK and uh, other um, universities in the region are... and of course, this present establishment as well. I was going to say, a great <laughs> are, training are place doing a great be, job of but, training these uh, right. people who are up and coming. It's wonderful at UK Opera, for example, over the last few years that we have um, cast lots of the UK theater majors. Right. And in fact, lots of the theater majors are now doing voice minors hmm. and lots of the voice majors are doing theater minors. And we also offer a musical theater certificate right. uh, at UK now, sort of a blend between the two programs. And for a while that wasn't happening at UK. Um, uh, it, it had been since... Um, uh, a little night music and carousel way back in the late 90s uh, and uh, maybe the year 2000 that Everett and Jim Rogers and I did together that were the last actual collaborations between UK theater and UK uh, opera. So now that we're back um, uh, working cohesively together, I really like that and it's made both programs stronger and I think it feeds into the community a stronger product as well. And... Um, of course, lots of people go on to New York or Chicago or L.A., uh, and lots of people, including yourself, uh, have done that and come back. I, I did that myself. I lived in New York for five years and uh, came back to work for Lexington Musical Theater, which mm -hmm. unfortunately died on my watch. Uh, it was <laughs> sort of dying already, but, um, you know, like I said, theater organizations come and go. 
And uh, so it got me here. It got me doing the doctorate. And now here I am having a full life as um, an artist with a lot of different hats in the in the community. So you're doing the same, Miles. And so, and uh, Trent, do I understand that you've recently returned from being elsewhere as well? Yes, Trent. Yeah. He just came back from Florida. So he wanted to take what, what he saw happening down there and bring it back up here. And so right. joining it, forces, forces here at Stage Right and then him on his own as well doing things. And, you know, well, I think there's so just, group- the, just the same way that uh, big businesses see opportunity in right. this region. I love the fact that um, artists are seeing opportunity in this region, a place to really make names for yourselves and work hard. Listen, I... I work so hard. I I have to say no to things all the time. How wonderful to live in Lexington, Kentucky and have a full slate as a satisfied artist. And right. you can say the same. It's special. Lots, lots of people yep. can. I know that Bo List can. Mm-hmm. Imagine that we've attracted Bo List back to this community and Lindy and Jeremy. Right. Oh, my God. We really have a richness of talented people and not just performers, but people who really know the business of theater and the and the craft of actually putting on shows as producers and directors. Wow. I think we might be entering some kind of a goal. Well, it's an exciting time. I think a lot of us feel it. uh, And um, it's going to be fun to see what happens within the next five, 10 years here in Lexington and look back on it and go, wow, we remember when that started. So and we thank you for being part of that. And well. It's it. Listen, going back to being a critic, it's all a joint effort, and I hope that what I contribute in the ways that I see fit is uh, something positive and something that um, both uplifts uh, the ambitions of our community and uplifts the present efforts of it as well. Great. Well, Tedrin, thank you so much for coming in. We really My appreciate pleasure. your time. And uh, thanks for joining us on The Green Room. And to learn more about uh, what Tedron's up to and the things he's talked about, uh, we'll have information about that. Tedron, thanks again. My pleasure. Thank you all. Thank you, Miles. Now for the call board. Auditions and performances from around the bluegrass. The Lexington Children's Theater will be hosting auditions for Junevieve B. Jones, Jingle Bells, Batman Smells, slated to open this November at the Lexington Opera House. Auditions are open to kids and adults ages 9 and up and will be held at the Lexington Children's Theater on Short Street on October 10th, 11th, and 12th. To arrange an audition, call LCT's Discovery Audition Hotline at 859-254-4546, extension 310. This Friday, the West Tea Hill Community Theater in Danville starts its second weekend of Almost Maine by John Cariani. Almost Maine is an innovative comedy exploring love and the ramifications of romance. For tickets and information, visit westteahill.net. Fantastical Theatricals will be continuing the bloodshed with the hysterical Agatha Christie parody, Murder on the Oriental Rug. The Chop House at 2640 Richmond Road will be hosting the Dinner Theater Experience on October 3rd, 9th, and 14th. Admission is $15 plus menu ordering. Advanced admission purchase is required. For more information, call 859-229-2518 or visit their website at fantasticaltheatricals.com. 
Woodford Theatre will be hosting auditions for the eight-time Tony Award-winning musical Hairspray on October 31st from 1 to 4 p.m. and again on Sunday, November 1st from 6 to 9 p.m. For more information, visit woodfordtheatre.com. Studio Players presents Picasso at the La Pan Agile. Written by Steve Martin, this long-running absurdist comedy places Albert Einstein and Pablo Picasso in a Parisian cafe in 1904. Directed by Jenny Christian, this production opened on the 17th and will run until October 4th. For information, call 859-257-4929 or by visiting their website at studioplayers.org. If your theater company or film is interested in being featured on the call board, or you would like to come in for a studio interview, you can email us at miles at stagerightacting.com. We would like to thank everyone for listening to our first ever episode of The Green Room. Next week, we will hear from Bo List, Mark Mazingo, and Jeff Day of Athens West Theater Company. Some of the other companies in town either um, doing less work or hibernating altogether, it seemed like a great time to step forward and say, let's try this new model. That's next time on The Green Room. Today's episode will feature Tedrin Blair Lindsay, a local musician, performer, teacher, and notorious theater critic who has massive experience on stages worldwide, but in our community, Tedrin is a polarizing figure, one who sells out performances and at the same time is accused of writing theater reviews fit for tabloids. Next on The Green Room.